Welcome to the Theatre of Others podcast. My name is Adam Marple, and I'm the co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others. With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing a shutdown and re-evaluation of space and gathering, we at the Theatre of Others are thinking about what stories we need and how best we can share them. We believe space is psychology, and it informs the way in which an audience interacts and reacts to what is presented to them. We create uniquely theatrical events in bespoke sensory performance spaces crafted to encourage curiosity and grant the audience permission to commune with the play. Now that that space has moved online, how can we encourage interaction and action amongst an audience virtually? The Theatre Brothers produces plays that both welcome and challenge the audience. We are committed to international collaboration and are a laboratory that helps artists grow through intensive study of their craft. On the podcast today, joining from Melbourne, Australia, are Booty Miller, co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others, and myself in Puebla, Mexico. The Theatre of Others creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purpose of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary, and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task, and it requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Hey, Adam. Hi, Booty. How you doing? I'm doing really good, actually. Oh, do you tell? No, this was just a really good week of school. You know, um, hmm. the, it's the third week of classes, and the first week was all just sadness and depression of having to be online, and the second week was just kind of figuring it out. And the third week, I think we've settled in, and mm-hmm. I'm just really inspired by my students this week. Um, Do tell. They're, you know, I, I kind of rethought this semester and, um, you know, as we're doing on this podcast, we're talking about what theater on the other side of this looks like and how it needs to change. Mm. And every mm-hmm. single week we talk about that. And I said, why am I going to spend a semester teaching my students how theater used to be? Why don't, uh. we, why don't we spend the semester talking about theater, how it should be? And so the very first thing I started was with them was, you know, let's make a theater manifesto. What is your theater on the, on the other end manifestos. of this? What, what does your theater look like? What does it contain? What does it not contain? And the takeaway from hearing every single one of them, just every single one, you know, different things are looking at, but every single one, kindness was an embedded practice throughout all of it. Just being kind, just being a good person to each other. You know, some people have things like, you know, you will, you will not mansplain. You will have two opportunities to be called out on your mansplaining, and then you will be fired. <laughs> ah, cool. I know. So, so some of them are really interesting, but basically at, at the heart of every single one of them was, don't be a dick. Just be a good human being. We, this is yeah. a place where, you know, we are supposed to feel safe so that we can be uncomfortable, as we've said in past podcasts. And every single student just time after time just brought it down to, you know, race, gender, sexual orientation, everything. Just be a good person. Let's all be here together. We don't have to agree with each other. It's okay that we don't agree, but we have to be able to be in the same space and listen and be a good person. And I was just really inspired by that this week. And that's that's kind of just, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, mm. 
I'm doing it. I, I'm, I'm being a good teacher. All right. <laughs> They're here. They're really in the room. Oh, my yeah. God. This is the best. Yeah. They may not turn their cameras on, but they're here. They're listening. They're doing good stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what were some of the examples that they were of, of situations like mansplaining and and where the kindness, where they th- felt that there needed to be more kindness in the, the workspace? What did they, What were some of their examples? Well, you know, they're they're talking about... Uh, you know, we are looking every single week. The, the way that I made this semester was we're looking at topics every single week of things that need need reevaluating. You know, um, you know, Black Lives Matter, BIPOC, uh, Indigenous theater, especially in um, Mexico. Um, mm. You know, feminist theories, uh, trans media theories, uh, LGBTQIA theories. I mean, just anything of of like what whose stories are not getting told, who is not being able to tell the stories, who has the power, and how do we shift that dynamic on the other side of this? I mean, everything that, that we're talking about in these podcasts is about how this time has, has made us reevaluate everything because we've had mm-hmm. to stop, because we've actually had to stop and look at it. And, and so having them stop and think about it, you know, think, you know, you can't make Disney musicals anymore, guys. What kind of theater are you going to make? You can't put a couch. You can't put a couch on stage anymore. What what kind of theater are you going to make? And and so, without fail, every single one of them are talking about, you know, the the creative um, the creative representation must be fifty percent female, if not more. Love if it, it. Is not, if it is not fifty percent female, it does not go forward. I love that. The, and, and and it's and you know it's not just not just on stage. It's off stage, it's in mm. administration. Everything. It's it's like just mm. just being cognizant of the choices that you're making as a company or as a director, or as or as whatever. Um, God, what are some of the other ones that were really some really interesting things that like have made me kind of like turn my head like a puppy, kind of like oh, that's I never even thought of that. Um, mm, do tell, do tell. Pay distribution models. Um, you know that larger theater companies. Uh, pay extra into a pool, kind of like how um, the NFL does. The NFL pays the extra money into a pool to share with the other teams so that really? even though, yeah, yeah, this is amazing. I mean, the NFL is a very... I know nothing about the NFL, so... <laughs> well, I don't really either. I, I watch it around Super Bowl time and that's about it. But apparently the NFL is a very socialized uh, uh, organization where... Even if you're the Dallas Cowboys or the New England Patriots, you're a very, very, you know, well-to-do football team. Whatever excess you make beyond paying yourself and paying everybody else and things like that, the the rest of it goes into a pool so that the Cleveland Mm. Browns can still exist, so that the Tampa Mm -hmm. Bay Buccaneers can still exist. So those teams Mm. who haven't been to the Super Bowl or playoffs in 20 years can still be around and still manage a team. So there's, there's profit sharing. That's cool. And why aren't theaters doing the same? Why, why do, you know, Broadway theaters make it big and then why can't that trickle down? Because where are the plays coming from? The plays are coming from off-off-Broadway, then they move to off-Broadway. Then those playwrights who do off-Broadway for a little while, then they get their chance on Broadway. It's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a farm team. And it was it was amazing that yeah, my, but that's socialist in American eyes. That's well, probably why it doesn't it doesn't feel feed the, you know, the the capitalist model. But if the NFL can do it, can't the theater do it? Isn't the theater the socialist place? I mean, come on. Uh, but I, that's was, true. That's true. That's true. That's true. I was I was just amazed that my students in Mexico but Broadway's not run by theater people anymore. It's run by like business people. It's run by no, a corporate. Exactly. But that's that's a whole other story anyway. Uh, but it just it was just really <laughs> heartening to hear my students come up with things out of left field. Just like I had never even thought of. 
and I was writing them down and going, wow, I have hope for humanity and I have hope for theater. <laughs> well, that's and really beautiful. Yeah. I think, How, look, I think the biggest thing is like, like really making sure that you take care of your position of power as well, because I've been in situations and you know how I get, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm happy to be the, the loud, the loud, aggressive one at the table because people aren't, people aren't moving, you know, people aren't doing things. And we had, uh, last year we had some, uh, film producers come and work on some new scripts that they're going to be, uh, uh, producing, I think the, the, a series of horror films. And, um, and I had, and my students were, you know, were reading the, were reading the, um, the films, and my biggest, my biggest critique at the end when the producer was like, "So, what do you think of it?" I said, "I said, where are the women?" Hmm. I said, "Where are the women?" I'm like, the women that are in this particular script are on the periphery. Where are the women? And and then and I broke it down like this, y'all. When in your life have you been in a situation, a public situation? Where there wasn't a woman in the present. <laughs> yeah. Tell me. And if you're in, if, and if you're living the most of your life without a female present, you need to reevaluate the kind of relationships you have, <laughs> because there's women everywhere, just like yeah. there's people of color everywhere. Yeah. But it's like these and and these narrow points of view are. I'm just so I'm over it. And so and the producers were like, uh. Uh, and I said, and, and I said, look, this is this is this is my point of view and my position where I'm I'm training the next generation of superstars, mm-hmm. and I want them to have roles. Yeah. And a lot of them are women and people of color. Yeah. You know, going back to what um, Melinda Gates was talking about, it's in the data. Every single time you lift up women and people of color, our species evolves. Yeah. And that's my whole model. So, and, and it gives me permission to actually be quite aggressive around it as well, especially now hearing that your students are in the same, same boat, because that's what my students are thinking as well. They really push me. They push me. They challenge me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, that's great. That's really great. And this is what I found also with the online delivery is the kind of focus that we do as teachers. Like I find that I'm even better online because I have to be super focused. Mm. You know, because it's easy to kind of drift away when they're doing a, a company thing and everyone's moving around. You're picking up the whole energy of the room. That's a different, that's a different, you know, a different aesthetic, a different out- learning outcome. But when, when you're working on this, this uh, platform of, of, you know, Zoom for us, you know, it's, I get to, I can really go into every single detail that actors are doing. And I'm a- even more hypervigilant about specificity. So mm-hmm. their abilities to increase the quality and skill level of their, of their training is at a really high level. It's, 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 it's amazing how it, how it transfers. I you hope know? that, I hope that, I hope that I can do that next semester. We shifted all of our theory classes to this semester, hoping that, you know, 2021, we, we come back face to face. So we put all of our, our, you know, acting classes, our voice classes next semester. So right now we're not having to do so much of the, you know, like our last week's talk about the actor's body. We're not having to do so much about that. So I haven't crossed that, that Rubicon yet of, of having to really be a theater actor trainer or you know director trainer yet it's it's all theory stuff right now but it, it still gives me hope it still gives me hope that that I, I can be this specific with them i can be this granular and and uh individualized i mean there are 15 people in class but 
you know, if only one person turns on their camera, then you really are only talking to that one person. But you do try to open it up to everybody else and get everybody else involved. And they are. They are listening. They are they are they're coming up with some great things as I as I've talked about before. As I just said, they're they are they are they may not be actively thinking about it, but they have thought about it. And they and they see the world in a different way than we have because they've grown up in a world where you know where apparently uh, you know, LGBTQIA is far more accepted and, and not understood why yeah. it was ever a problem, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, And so exactly. that's, that's a different thing altogether. So it gives me hope. It gives me really good hope, yeah. Well, that's excellent. I just love that. And well, I'm having a great day as well. It's spring Ooh. here. It's spring. It's spring. spring it was rainy sprung. as hell yesterday. Spring has sprung. <laughs> it was rainy yesterday. She was Miss Cloudy yesterday, but today we've got some spring the, the i'm actually quite toasty in this closet adam it's yeah. hot in the closet i don't want to be in the closet anymore i put booty back in the closet because if you heard <laughs> last week's podcast he was pouring himself a drink a couple times he was moving around <laughs> in his chair there was some at some point i think akshay came in through the back door and you had to, tell oh, him yeah, to not go right. through the back door <laughs> Oh, yeah. Your office is fantastic, except for podcasting. So you're back in the closet <laughs> where we can hear you. <laughs> yes, I'm back in the closet. Well, I had a, I had I also had a wonderful shower today because I was listening to Critical Role. Yeah, that's that's just that's like the best shower podcast ever. It's fantastic. It's so good. It's so good. And it's funny because like actually looks at me, always looks at me like, what are you listening to? Because they're like, because they're, they get into it, man. Yeah, yeah. They get into their D&D, man. It's, ser- yeah. it's serious business. And I'm into it as well. I'm serious. Yeah. But, you know, we've got, <laughs> we've got some, some gnomes now attacking. So I'm just like, ah, I'm in, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in campaign two. I just, uh, campaign awesome. two, episode six. I'm in campaign so one, into- episode 50. So I'm a long way away, but uh, I'm trying. Campaign two, campaign two is like legendary, legendary. It's so good. <laughs> I love, I love these people. They're amazing. They're so Me amazing. Too. Have you seen? They have, you know, uh, they have another show they do called Between the Sheets, and no, it's an interview show, and um, the guy who does the interviews is amazing. I mean, he's a he's a really really good interviewer and he's just Mm. interviewing them and talking about their career and actually for actors this is a really good thing to listen to to hear every single one of them have a theater background and at some point there came a time where they had to either make the jump to LA where theater had dried up or they wanted to start doing some other things or how they got into voiceovers how they got into anime how they got into games it's a really interesting conversation and it's, you know, it's about an hour, 10, hour, 15, sometimes more, you know, Matt Mercer's got, you know, two and a half hours cause he's the most amazing person in the world. But, you know, you listen to Sam Regal, you listen to Liam O'Brien and their career path and you go, every single actor needs to listen to this, you know, to start in. Wait a minute. There's a couple, there's a couple between the sheets. Yeah. I'm trying to download it. I'm trying to download it now. Oh yeah. Wait, uh, between the sheets. I have, between the sheets has has several um uh, yeah. uh podcasts called between there's three of them which one is the one that we want to listen to i'm not entirely sure it's a podcast but uh they do it on youtube so you can find it on youtube if you go into youtube you can find oh yeah so okay go on youtube you find between the sheets and you can watch it there they may have it as a podcast i'm not sure though but it's fantastic interviews again um you can you can hear them 
their early career. You know, it goes all the way back. Of course, it's a it's a bio, you know biographical show for them. Of course, but um, I think any actor, again, any actor would find invaluable information about this. Uh, and especially because they're talking about how they got into voiceover. You know, obviously the game, you know, they talk about the game, of course, but they're all actors. They're all trained actors. They all were ch- mostly childhood actors that when, then went to college to continue their acting career. And um, at some point, theater stopped for them and it became more about voiceover work, anime, things like that. So, Oh, my God, that's yeah. amazing. Oh, that's so cool. Well, that's funny because I was thinking the same thing, like around this. Uh, surprisingly, in 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 my epic critical role shower, just like you know, what what are we going to talk about today? And I was just like, this is so it's so interesting to to see where our careers have led us, having been friends for so long and mm. having had all these ideas about what we wanted our theater company to be, what kind of teachers we consider ourselves to be, the kind of acknowledgement that we wanted to have in our work. And it's like, it's interesting that it's already happening so quickly, like in in this way, like that, for Mm. instance, our theater company coming back together online. Like, like (laughs) if you would have told us that, like, you know, eight years ago, we'd be like, exactly. 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 We'd be like, get fucked. <laughs> you know? That's the antithesis of the type of work we want to do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and now look at us online, giving online delivery. <laughs> yeah. So I online guess... <laughs> delivery of classes, online delivery of play, podcasts, the stuff that you used to hate. Yeah. I, mean, I used to have, loathe podcasts. Loathe them. Remember? I just, ugh, I was, yeah, I was I like, ugh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't ready look for at it us yet. Now. I wasn't evolved. I wasn't evolved like you, Adam. I just wasn't evolved. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it, but I think the the message is is just stay in just stay in the race. Mm. Just keep stay running. Curious. Stay interested. Yeah. You know, life's gonna change, and if you you know try and just hold on willy nilly to whatever the hell you were doing without thinking about you know is this still working. Yeah, I don't know. I think the very nature of change is discomfort and, you know, uh, fortitude and stick to itiveness. You know, you got to get, mm. you got to deal with it. It's like you have to look at change as like a gift. It's like, oh, something needs to change. Something needs to shift. Something mm-hmm. needs to move. What are the, the things that I thought were, were right? They're now my ideas of, of and perceptions of these things are changing. And yeah. as, as I, you know, move into my 50s, it's just like, all those things those old motherfuckers were saying are true. <laughs> the 40s are awesome. The 40s are so awesome. And now that I'm leaving the 40s uh, in a few years, um, I get to experience what the 50s are about. But I'm actually quite a, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm looking forward to all of the new things that are going to be coming my way. You know, because I've always, this is what we've always told our students is, hold on to your integrity with your life, y'all. Hold on to mm. your integrity with your life. Sometimes that's mm. all you have. That's all you got, yeah. You know? And there's a lot of motherfucking haters out there. And the haters are usually people, like Brene Brown says, that are not in the motherfucking ring getting hit, knocked down in the game. And usually people that are hating are usually people that wish they could be in the ring that you're in. You know? And that's so, right. you know... Right. Just re- just remember that. Don't let the haters have any kind of point of view in the way you or trajectory of what you do, because I can't tell you how many times that I did my work and people were like, "Why are you going to Bali? Bali? What are you doing? What? Uh, huh? 
I, I what? And I was like, it makes sense to me. And, and, and that's all that really mattered to me. It made sense to me. Yeah, and if, it's your path, not theirs. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So what are we talking about today? Well, today we are focusing on the text. Ew. And uh, I don't know if you have anything, but I've got some things prepared for you. <laughs> I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you want to take it in another direction at some point, but I've got I've got some uh, surprises for you today. <laughs> oh no, I don't like that face. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a good face. It's okay. 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 Am, am I? Am uh, speaking of change and vulnerability? What am I taking on? <laughs> I thought we could share with our audience how we tackle text. I know we did this a little bit with uh, the "Oh, what a rogue peasant slave am I?" speech and way back, you know, four weeks ago, if not more, um, when we were looking at the playwright. But I thought, uh, why not show a little bit of the text that we're working on currently? So You mean limb from, from limb? limb. Oh. Exactly. I, I got the okay from Stephen to do a little bit of that, but then I also got a mystery text that's <laughs> oh, not no. from limb from limb that's also from Stephen that I got the okay to share. Um, and there's a lot of uh, witches in it. There's witches of witches for whom's and... Therefores. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, this would be great. I think this is a great idea. I think this is a great idea. And yeah. also for them to see how a dyslexic manages new text. <laughs> how this dyslexic ter- goes through the terrain of, of a new world of get well, to. We're just we're just going to share a little bit. Why don't we take a break? It's a good place to take a break. You find your script. We, we get ready. We settle in. <laughs> the audience, the audience pops some popcorn and they get ready for it. <laughs> They get ready for the performance of Dionysus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I've got to. I've got to do my emotional preparation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not okay. Hold on. Let's take a break. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Bye. Thank you, Purple Planet. back thank you purple planet i needed that break Woo! i got myself together i'm ready to go i'm ready to go i'm ready to go what are we doing adam what is your idea so i i thought we would just share with the audience uh what your process as an actor is when you get a text what my process as a director is when i get a text what our process together when we work together as actor and director is as when we get a text um so i thought Let's start out a little bit easy. Start with a text that we already know and we've already been thinking about. And then, surprise text, do a text that you have not seen or you've not mm-hmm. seen in a long time and mm. that I have not seen in a long time and that we definitely have not worked on together and see how would we start there? What are the baby steps? Because, you know, we've, got, we've been working on Dionysus now for three weeks. There's a lot of things that are already... Uh, figured out there's a lot of things that you know decisions have already been made and it's hard to go back and go what was the first thing that we did so for our audience i thought you know 
we can show them what we what we have, what we're working on, and what the deep side of the process of text is, as you were talking about. You're walking down the street with the character in your mind already and trying to find those things. But then what's it like to go back to the very beginning and start the process over again? So I thought we'd try both of those things today and see if it works. And if it, you know, if it's okay, then all right, great. If it isn't, then, you know, it's an experiment in form. Because when you're playing a god that's, that's stuck in a human body, there's a whole other thing that I'm actually looking at. Because I realized that when I was first approaching the text, I was, you know, first approaching it from uh, the context of what was on the page, the context of what uh, the the Bakai situation for Dionysus and uh, and and um, where he is and what he wants to say at this particular moment, and then I was walking the streets of Melbourne for my my exercise, and it was rainy. It was rainy yesterday, so I was like, I can wear my galoshes. And but galoshes are not meant for an hour of exercise walk. Oh, no. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not comfortable. And I was like, mm, my feet hurt. They kind of break them in. My feet hurt. But then I was like, ooh, this is Dionysus being stuck inside of a human form. I like that. And so I, you know, you know me, I'm always like, body remember, body remember. My, my, walking through, you know, my everyday life, I'm walking with the character some way and somehow in me, you know. Yeah, so exactly. this is what we were talking about with Steven is like, we obsess, you know. I always, because I, I, was, I was actually annoyed with myself because I had forgotten to bring my script with me because when I like to do a little walk, I like to um, walk with my script. And I had forgotten it. And I was like, well, what can I work on now? And I was like, mm. You know, then, I, then, then my augury started to appear for me. Like I, all the birds were like talking to me. And I, so, I said, so my imagination was quite full yesterday. So mm, um, that's what I wanted to work on with you in rehearsal. But now I, got the, I have to work on this text now. So, well, my first question is, what is your intention with, with Diagnosis? Because I think uh, the other text makes more sense to, to start from scratch. Yeah. I think, well, then, should we start with the other text first and then talk about how that develops for Dionysus? Sure, why not? Okay, let's do that. then let's let's start with the other text. So, this other text that we keep on, ooh, we keep on talking about this other text. Uh, <laughs> this this is also by Stephen Galtney, uh, the playwright mm-hmm. that we had on here uh, two weeks ago, and this is from a unpublished, unperformed play um, of his adaptation of Iphigenia Aulis, and this was mm-hmm. from his version of. Um, of you know, we, we talked about the Agamemnon that he created for me back in grad school, and we were working on it. And at some point, it was turning into all of the Oresteia, and then at some point, it turned into all of the Oresteia and Iphigenia, and at some point, it turned into all of the Oresteia and Iphigenia and <laughs> Seneca's Thyestes, the entire House of Atreus, you know, uh, story. And this was one of the pieces from that. It's a brilliant piece. I love this piece. I want him <laughs> to do something with this again. So. Maybe this is also this is also us trying to prod him to to bring it back out. So uh, the character is, and I didn't give you the, the play. I just asked for this monologue from him. The character mm. is Menelaus. Okay, and so this is what I want you to do. Then, so then yeah. I want you to take the role of dramaturg for me. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. who is Menelaus? So we're talking about the Trojan War. We're talking about. Um, Agamemnon and Menelaus, they are brothers, um, and Menelaus has a wife named Helen, the 
the very well-known Helen of Troy. And Helen mm. has been – the question is, has Helen been stolen and has Helen been kidnapped or has Helen left on her own free will to go with Paris – one of the brothers of Troy, the, one of the princes of Troy. Um, and this basically begins the Trojan War. The Trojan War is about Menelaus convincing his brother Agamemnon to take a thousand ships and sail to Troy to win back his wife, to steal back um, his wouldn't wife. Wouldn't any man do that? I mean, if Akshay was on the other side of the world, someone kidnapped him, I would definitely get my troops together and go out and save my husband and get my husband back. Like, certainly. That uh, makes total sense to me. Certainly, certainly. The question is, what kind of a man is Menelaus? Like I said, what, what's the story? Did Helen, was Helen kidnapped or did Helen, Helen leave on her own free will? Um, you know, different plays have different accounts of that. All we have Ooh. here is all we have here is the monologue of Menelaus. So all we all the information we have about Menelaus comes from this monologue, who okay. this man is, um, and he is talking to in this monologue he's talking to Calchas, and Calchas is one of the priests. Calchas is one of the uh, priests of uh, I don't know if it's Apollo or not, but he's one of the ones that basically um, tells the prophecy of. Uh, you will not get wind if you do not sacrifice your daughter to Agamemnon. You, do, you will not get wind to sail to Troy unless you sacrifice your daughter Iphigenia. Um, and mm, they also they also are. Telling I'm seeing a lot story. of Shakespeare stuff in, in like Shakespeare scenarios already. Yeah, of course, he was well, such a good thief, wasn't he? he was a Just like thief. the Greeks were good thieves as well. Yeah. Hello, Egypt. So Calchas is one of the priests who have also said. Helen left on her own free will. Helen left because she wanted to leave. Um, and so this is the question of um, whose story is true? Who has the power? Who has the, the, the monopoly on the truth in this situation? And that's, that's where the monologue begins, at least. Okay. 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 Well, that's a that's a very good setup because this is the thing we have to know where we're starting. You know, yeah. we can't just jump in without knowing actually where we are, getting into the given circumstances. And as you could hear me, as as Adam's telling me the scenarios, I'm I'm actually connecting my body to my own sense of understanding of the situation. Yeah. I'm not trying to drudge up anything from my past. I can just connect to it as a human being. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like these are these are human things that are going on. Someone has someone has stolen my 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 my, my wife. Someone has stolen my love. So and then I'm told that they've left of their own accord. That's what the rumor is going around is. Okay, so that's already kind of really put me in a really fucked up situation because it's like one of those things where like this is where I start to play with. <laughs> dare I say, sensations in my body mm. um, from the given circumstances of having my heart be so for someone and then hear in a rumor that they left of their own accord. Mm. And uh, rumors are fucking horrible. Yeah. You know? And so then I, I'm sitting here trying to evaluate, well, then, what's, then what is real? Just by, yeah. just, by, just by that one little situation, I'm going, well, what is real? Okay, so then I know that I'm, doing, I'm, I know that I'm dealing with a Galtney text, so that he has a very particular free verse uh, style, right? Mm -hmm. And 
And so I know that I'm going to fall into a lot of human patterns of speaking in the way that he particularly sets, sets up the, the actor. So yeah. the key was for me to take my time. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if I'm reading this for the very first time. For the, as for the very first time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it really is important for me to take my time and not try to perform it, but try to discover it. So let's see. Let's, let's see what I discover. Mm-hmm. So it says here, uh, you want to you read, read the stage? Stage yeah. Though? So, a tent. Inside are Agamemnon, your brother, Menelaus, you, and Calchas, the priest. Calchas is on the ground. So when I already read that, it says that I'm in a tent. My place, the place that I'm in is in a tent. Hmm. So that's telling me that I might already already be out looking for her. I might already be out going and doing something. I might already be on the journey to picking some, picking her up. And hmm. someone tells me midway there. I'm also, I'm also out in the nature. I've been in a, I've, I've clearly probably been on a horse, you know, been in, tired and malnourished, probably have diarrhea for Christ's sakes. Um, <laughs> Um, and I'm in on the inside and I'm, I'm dirty, probably haven't had a shower in a while and maybe be a bit fatigued or weary with the whole situation and also lost and trying, trying to get to my, trying to get to my, my love, my heart, my heart's desire. Yeah. And then, uh, the person who has told me that, um, uh, she's left on her own accord is on the ground. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's interesting. Are they praying to me? Are they prostrating to me? Are they resting? I have to be curious about what specifically are they doing on the ground, and am I talking to them? And I have a feeling that I am talking to him. Mm-hmm. And so the first bit goes, she's a beautiful woman, my wife. Have you seen her? I mean, you have at some point. She's a public figure. But have you seen her up close? This close. I mean, me to you. It's amazing, actually. She's perfect. Not almost. Not. Yes, but when you look close enough, she has wrinkles just like everyone else. Not that. Just. Perfect. In fact, there's this rumor going around. Well, story, rumors are true. There's this story going around the camp that the reason she left, the reason my beautiful, perfect wife left all the nations of Greece in this predicament is that she was so beautiful. So perfect that the goddess Aphrodite judged her to be the most beautiful woman in the world. See? That's how perfect she is. She didn't leave her husband. No. Not that. She was entranced by a goddess and forced Forced to run off with a 20-something Trojan prince fresh piece of ass. How's that for a story? I mean, do you like it? <laughs> 
I do. I think it's a great story. What do you think about it? Do you think it's a great story? Or so so? Maybe? Or well, okay. First, to be fair, before you I should uh I love my wife, Ellen. That's her name. I'm in love with her. She lives with me under my skin. That's what love is. Do you remember that? Love? I mean, because you might have forgotten what love is because you're old. Love is when you cut yourself open for someone else to climb in. And they do climb in. And they live there inside you. And then make you feel better because that stretch out the skin. Let me read that line again. There's my dyslexia coming in. You're doing good. And they make you feel bigger because they stretch out the skin. And then they leave. All of a sudden. They may be ready for it. They may have shown up your place in their stomach but they certainly didn't take of their place in yours. So you just sag. That's what it feels like, like your whole body's just sagging around you because you aren't big enough. Not anymore. You can't even feel your own skin. And all you can think to do, all you can do to fix that, to feel yourself up again, is find a way to get her back. To sit her down in front of you so you can press your body against hers, so you can squeeze her tight, tighter and tighter until she sinks back into exactly the same as she used to be. That's why I like this story. Because I love my wife and I need to get her back. The story is going to help me. Because before it came along, people were worried. They were worried. We might be asking them to fight a war over a personal affair. A grievance. A slight. Worried. We might be asking them to sail off and die for no other reason than my unwillingness to get over the woman I love. <laughs> That's true. I'm not willing. I refuse, in fact. That's why we're here. But the story that that woman was carried off to a foreign land against her will, that she would probably still love me if it weren't for the influence of a lascivious goddess, that story makes my refusal acceptable. It makes the citizens of Greece willing to answer the call of my brother. Agamemnon, your king. 
It makes them willing to man those thousand ships we have waiting outside and gives us everything we need besides wind. To invade and conquer the city of Troy. To take back what belongs to me. So it's a good story. I think. What about you? What do you think? Is it good? It is. Trust me. A good story. A helpful story. Unlike yours, which is not a helpful story, not helpful, and therefore not good. Which is why we've been asking questions around the camp, trying to find out where this unhelpful story started so we can show everyone that this story isn't true. So, where did you hear about it? You know, we've been talking a lot, but if you don't rather... But if you'd rather not talk, if you'd rather we did something else, I'm sure we could come up with something. Would you like that? Or you prefer to keeping talking? Keep, keep talk, or, or you prefer to keep talking? Who told you? God. God! You wouldn't happen to know who told him, would you? We're really trying to get to the source. <laughs> good. That was good. a cold read. That was a good I cold think, read. I, I, not bad because I know I know you know style, I know Mr. Yeah. Goatney's style. You yeah, know exactly, and I think that's what's really important for people you know, working with cold readers, you need to understand the style and the genre of which you're, you're reading the text. Don't just read the playwright's text that you got in front of you. Read all the things that you have from the playwright so you know, is this is this a departure from what they're doing or is this a typical style of what, what, what he does? And this is exactly what Galtney does. So you know that and that helped you out with the cold read. That was good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad. It's one of it's one of the better cold reads I've done. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes tend to I get excited because Galtney's words get me really like they generate like real behavior in me by speaking mm. by speaking the words. So then I get confused a bit sometimes. My eyes will wander because my body's having a big a really good time. Um, and I think the other thing that I also look at, so we've looked at, you know, it's, we know that Galtney is, he writes in free verse, but he also is really specific about his punctuation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rules of punctuation. And the rules of punctuation that I use are the ones of the rules of Shaw, George Bernard Shaw's rules of punctuation, because he said, <laughs> you know, he made his plays actor proof. You know, if you know, if you understand punctuation, you can perform a Shaw play. So, Really looking at, and I'm speaking to my fellow dyslexics out there because we, uh, punctuation has no meaning for us because it's just black dots on a page. So think of your punctuations as traffic signs. There's a classic exercise that um, uh, Cicely Berry uh, used to used to do where you would speak the text while walking, and then when you read, would reach punctuation, you turn. 
Well, and I've and I've elaborated on that 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 exercise, and I've given the punctuation actual movement um, uh, with inside of the, the the way that this punctuation is supposed to work. So, like a full stop is a stop. Like you stop. Like all the energy of what you're speaking stops right into that place. And commas are and the 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 mantra is and there's more and there's more and there's more. So every time you turn you turn on commas and there's more and there's more and then full stop. You know, so there's all these different rules that I abide by and it helps me stay clear about where I'm going. And also gives me gives me permission to live in the thought and the final word that I may say that may might be running into or being thrown out by the punctuation. Um and then Salt Galtney also uses in his free verse, he has moments where it feels like you want to like move on, move on, because it's the uh, essentially what happens with uh, verse. We were talking about you know a few podcasts ago is that the indicator is that every line begins with a capital letter. But with Galtney, it's not it's not that he uses the lines that needed to be that need to be ca- he uses the words that are capitalized to let us know that these words need to be capitalized. We need to capitalize on them, and when they are lowercase, he's saying. Give it, give it a lighter energy. Give it a sub, like almost like a, a subliminal energy, and, and keep moving. And he gives, and he, and he gives the other, the other, the other um, rule is that if you have one or two words or three words, even four words, sometimes essentially you're probably dealing with like more of a monosyllabic kind of mm-hmm. um, um, rhythm. But also, it's it's an indicator that your playwright's telling you to slow down. Mm-hmm. A lot of young actors think that that means speed up, but essentially, if you think about it, if it was written, if if text is like is like music, and language is like is like uh, the uh, um, the melody, right? So if there's something on the page, the playwright wants you to read it. So if it's a so if they want you to go quickly, they'll give you a lot to say. If they want you to slow down, they'll pull back on what to say. Mm-hmm. Because the only way that a playwright can communicate to an actor and a director and a designer and a dramaturg is through the words and through how they use the words and the punctuation and the the visual uh, cues that they give metrically uh, for you to figure out what is what, how they want you to decipher the rhythm of this person's life and the way that they communicate. Does that make sense, Adam? It makes perfect sense. I think you're. I think you're describing it and elaborating on it perfectly because because the language is so specific when you look at it you know it's it's good to kind of figure it's 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 important to kind of figure out where do you even begin and i think as you talked about you know look at the punctuation look at the the you know is it monosyllabic is it you know how 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 is the rhythm of that language like and if you do just kind of punch through it as a lot of people do you miss you miss so much and you know you have you have a certain real estate for a certain amount of time why would you want to give it up why would you want to move through it you have the time mm. to do this i mean we we devoted a, a, a long part of this podcast to you reading that and i think it's great i love listening to it i think our audience is gonna has loved listening to it as well but even where it says beat on the page you took a beat and silence in a podcast is, oh gosh, but I think, no, that's exactly what it needs to be. Why would you rush through that? Why would you rush through these lines? It is, trust me, a good story, a helpful story, unlike yours, which is not a helpful story. 
don't rush through that. You know, you, it's a, it is, trust me, a good story, a helpful story, one like yours, which is not a helpful story. That's not getting any information. You use, you use these words, you use the text, you know, against Calchas. Are you beating him? Are you caressing him? Are you, what are you doing with those words? It's interesting because I, I was, I was, what was fun about that read was I got to live in the revelatory moment of thought. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what Galt is so good at. He's so good at sinking the body into the ideas that we want to express. I mean, the first two lines of this text is she's a beautiful, capital, capital she, she's a beautiful woman, no punctuation. Next line, lowercase my, my wife, full stop. So the way that, so, so that, so the way that my body is interpreting that is that there's two parts of this woman. Yeah, you see her as beautiful, but there's one other thing. She's my wife. And then he, he, he tells me that I have to ask a question. So the, you really get to get the bang out of your question mark and out of your question, really go in upper inflection and really ask the question. And leave that so that the ear of the listener has to respond. And of course, there are there are other rhetorical, like it could be a rhetorical question. Usually, the, if it's a rhetorical question, a smart playwright would give you a full stop. They'll give you a period. They'll say, we want you to, to, to know the answer to this. But if there's a question mark, really go for it. Unless your director says, no, I think this is probably a rhetorical question. Or, the, or the, even the, or the playwright goes, no, I think this is actually a rhetorical question. So don't be stuck in these kinds of like, you know, uh, it always has to be this way. We always are going for the sense and the meaning. But I would say go for the question because it, it adds so much more. Because as a listener, we naturally lean in because we feel like we have to answer it. Mm-hmm. She's a beautiful woman. My wife. Have you seen her? I mean, you have. At some point. She's a public figure. But have you seen her close up? This close. I mean, me to you. It already makes me want to lean in. And, like, yeah. I naturally want to go right in to this motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm naturally leaning in. And and Galtney has done it for me in his language. He's saying, he goes, I mean, next line. You have, next line. At some point, next line. She's the public figure, next line. But have you seen her up close? Yeah. Next line, this close, next line, I mean, next line, me to you, next line. Like, it's, it's like inching in closer and closer. And I, I feel power. I feel the dominance. Mm-hmm. So when I go back up to where we were looking at, oh, Calcas is on the ground. Mm-hmm. Remember I was asking, he's on the ground. Is he sitting down? Is he lounging? Is he doing a chaturanga? Is he doing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Is he, yeah. is he in meditation? <laughs> yeah, he's he's in downward dog. You're interrupting his yoga session. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. You got to make a choice. You got to make a choice and, and, and make a logical choice. That's within the given circumstances. And the text is telling me clearly he's that, um, Calcus is on his knees prostrating. Mm-hmm. This is an interrogation. This is an interrogation. The power dynamic is very clear here. 
It's very clear. Yeah. It's very, very clear. So it's very clear. The interrogation is very clear. So now the language, not just what you're saying, but how you're saying it is being used in this interrogation. So let me interrogate. She's a beautiful woman, my wife. Have you seen her? I mean, you have at some point. She's a public figure, but have you seen her close up? This close. I mean, me to you. It's amazing, actually. She's perfect. Not almost. Not. Yes, but when you look close enough, she has wrinkles just like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, so, so when you have a reason to speak, where you're yeah. trying to change them so that okay. they understand, I want you to answer this. Mm. Because clearly you don't know who the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> it's getting me going. Colin, it's you're good. getting me going again. Oh, it's good. You get me on. Going. And I think that's good for our for our <laughs> audience to hear that as well. I mean, not just as a cold read. I mean, how often are we going to be doing a cold read? But just looking at a text, even that you know, looking at it again, fresh with new eyes and going, okay, I'm not necessarily going to think about, um, you know, what's exactly being said, but but how they're saying it as well is almost as informative sometimes. How it's written on the page, the, how the words are used how the, use, the words are used against the, the scene partner, whoever that scene partner is, you know, and, mm. and, and being able to draw that out just from a couple of lines, just going through that, obviously then putting the giving circumstances on top of that, obviously putting on top of that, you know, uh, where you're coming from, everything else that's going on along with that, but just the text, what can you draw from the text immediately to be applicable for, you know, the scene? Well, I think we should uh, take a break from there and go to provocations. Looks like they're yep. not going to get diagnosis. Looks like you have to come to the show. Uh, yeah, I will. Um, you have to come to see the show. <laughs> <laughs> was this was this a ploy all along? Is this did we do this the entire time? <laughs> no, it wasn't. But I think this was. I think this was a great idea. I I, I think I think this was. It was good for me too, as a dyslexic, to share to share a cold read with the whole planet. <laughs> Because that's how many followers we have, y'all. Subscribe, subscribe. No, I'm saying, <laughs> but it, it was it was good. It was it felt really good to 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 put myself out there in this way. It was, yeah. and, and I just love Galtney's writing, and I it's always so much fun playing with him. Of course, um, which is why we need to get him to write a campaign for our uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's as interested as we are. Uh... <laughs> I don't know why he he's will not. be though. He will yeah. be. We have to we have to dragoon him. He into, will be. I know him. I know it. him. He'll get he'll get excited by it, and then he'll want to do it. So hopefully that's the case. <laughs> he's only he's only doing that because he has other things he has to write right now. You know how he gets. He's yes, he's right. writing a, a serious play right now, yeah. and playing playwriting is not something. Playwriting it's not something. God, I'm just I'm just full of these words today. I'm just uh, these <laughs> these double entendres. Um. Writing, writing, writing up campaign is not something that he wants to do right now. Because no, he's he wants to, to finish this play. play. So I get it. He wants it. to finish this play, exactly. Yeah. But Galtney, if you're listening, you have no choice. Resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, <laughs> Purple Planet. 
<laughs> Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Purple Planet, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're back. So, Monsieur, mm-hmm. do you have a provocation or a, a question or what? What's uh, brewing over there? I don't. It, well, it, it's not necessarily a provocation or a question involving um, the text, but uh, since we talked about what my students were were doing this week in my class. I, I've been thinking about that as well. Of, of I, I really like this, this thought of thinking about a manifesto, a theater manifesto. Not in a, you know, not, mm-hmm. on, a, not on a communist manifesto way, but, but if you actually had to put down, <laughs> if you actually had to put down on paper, what is your theater and what your theater stands for, what would it be? So that's what I'm, that's what I'm asking uh, our audience is, what is your theater manifesto? What is your foundation as an artist? now not what was it before because that before let's say it's gone you know uh you know dr <clears throat> dr fauci in the united states basically said normal will not return until the end of 2021 if we vaccinate every Oof. if we vaccinate everybody in the united states it will take at least a year at least a year to get to oh vaccinate everybody think about the rest of the world so what if what if what we had before is oh gone forever and we have to start over. What's your theater manifesto? Can we put? Can we add racism to that list? <laughs> Hopefully, let, let it be gone. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, but but yeah. If your manifesto is that would be really wonderful. What is what is your foundation as an artist going forward? So that's my that's my question, my provocation, really. Tell us your tell us your manifesto. Mm. Well, you know me. I'm 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 always down with the provocations. Um, and I want to deal with text, and I want to I want to deal with text for my dyslexic uh, brothers and sisters out there, and non-binary uh, conforming uh, relatives. Anyway, um, so I want you to look at punctuation. I want you to look at punctuation, and really look at a, a, a monologue that you're used to doing all the time. I, I like to go into habits and look at the see where, the way you've habitually learned something and the way it's actually written on the page. Mm. So go back and take, take, take your time with the punctuation, but also when you get short lines, slow the tempo down and see what the playwright is asking you to do in that slowing down of the text. And then when you have a lot of text to speak, Get get going. Let you speak the text, and and an, a great way to do it is to do that Cicely Berry exercise: is to walk the text. So whenever there's text, whenever you're speaking, you're walking, and whenever you get a punctuation, just turn, turn, so that your body knows that it's actually a new thought, it's a new idea, and and see what happens, mm-hmm. and let us know, let us know what happens, let us know what your revelations were, yeah, um, and let us know if it worked or if it didn't work. You know, you know, you can call us up. That's bullshit. It didn't work. <laughs> and we'll and we'll address it. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, give that a shot and let us know how it goes. And you can send those uh, those messages. If you want to do a voice message, you can send it to speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. 
Again, speakpipe.com backslash theater of others, theater with an RE. We told you why we're doing RE, not ER. Uh, you can subscribe, live a, subscribe. You can leave a, a 90 second voice message. We've, you know, we, you've heard now uh, our Q&A. We've we had a couple people do that, send that in. It's really great to hear from past students. Um, if you're, if you're not. I love that. I love Everyone that. call in. Yeah. I love you all. Uh, if you do, however, want to send us an email, nobody has sent us an email yet. You can send it to podcast at theaterofothers.com. We don't email anymore, Adam. I, well, we're so old, I know. But if you don't want your voice on this. Can you send me a CD? Can someone send me a CD? I have a mixtape for you. Um, <laughs> send, send us an email. Again, if, if you want to do it on Facebook Messenger, you could, you could send it to the Theater of Others. We've got, a, we've got a Facebook page on there as well. You can, you can send it. Just send us smoke signals. We want to hear from you. We would love to hear. <laughs> if these provocations are doing anything for you or if our questions are prompting any, anything inside of you, we really want to hear your feedback. And I think we've got to, we've got another Q&A episode coming up soon because we've, we've got some more feedback, which has been really good to hear from some people. Yeah. And next week, who do we have next week coming in? We got Dr. D, Dr. Elizabeth DeRosa. Dr. D's coming in, y'all. Yeah. She's coming. She's going to heal our ailments. That's all your theater I ailments. got a crick in my back. <laughs> and she's going she's gonna to do a little ha-cha-cha-cha-cha with some knowledge, with some <laughs> decolonizing. That's my girl. It's my number one ace book home skillet girl. Dr. D. Come on, girl. Come on. <laughs> yes, Adam. Yes. Yeah. This is what this is what this is what it's gonna be like next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> the two the two of you and then me. That's what's gonna happen next week. <laughs> you know that's what's gonna happen. Yes, I know. Get ready, y'all. Get ready. It's gonna be it's gonna be We're one, gonna release the Kraken. It's gonna be one hell of an edit session afterwards. That's what's that's what it's gonna be. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. We'll we'll see you next week. We appreciate week. it, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Theater Brothers Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theaterbrothers.org, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out, too. A special thank you to Purple Planet for the music you've heard. The Theater Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purposes of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary, and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question. To join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task and requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Be sure to tune in next week for our next journey.